0: All right. Well, thank you for joining me today, Nicole. I'm excited to have this conversation. This is my first interview with a player that hasn't played for Tribe. And yet at the same point, I feel like I've known you for longer. I think I met you back in 2012, 2013. My wife and I, I think I actually interviewed to work for your parents down in Dallas. And so met you and your little 11, 12-year-old, as you described, a little baby giraffe (laughs) running on (laughs) set in volleyballs. So, could you just introduce yourself a little bit and we'll roll from there?
1: Yeah. Well, first off, thank you, Brett, so much for having me. Yeah, it's just been amazing. And I'm really glad that we get to do this. A little bit about me. I am Nicole Drunick. I am in my fifth year and I'm currently at Notre Dame playing volleyball and getting my master's in nonprofit business.
0: Nonprofit business. What do you hope to do with that?
1: Yeah, so my goal is to just take the coursework that we learned and be able to apply it, whether it's taking over my parents' club or gym back in Dallas, maybe incorporating some nonprofit into it. And I definitely want to get involved very similar to what you're doing in just this recruiting process for younger athletes who want to take their skills to the next level or know a little bit more about what is college volleyball actually like. What are the steps I need to do to prepare?
0: Very interesting. I always love having the conversations because you're going to school for something and ultimately volleyball ends for everybody at some level, yep. unless yep. that's now your career being on the other side of the court. So you talked about a little bit about you grew up with your parents owning a gym and now I'm a little familiar because my, my wife's Brazilian and so we've heard the awesome story about your mom being an Olympian volleyball player. Yeah. Can you kind of share what that was like growing up being not just a volleyball family, but Almost living in the gym because you had that awesome access of your parents owning a club.
1: Yes. Big shout out to my parents. They are just absolutely amazing. My rocks through it all. My mom played for the Brazilian national team, went to the Olympic Games. My dad played basketball here in the United States. He graduated from University of Houston and they had very successful careers as athletes. But then when it came to thinking about the future that they wanted for their daughter, they decided it was time for them to move to the United States. So I was born in Clearwater, Florida, moved to Dallas and they started up their dreams with the club volleyball team Instinct. So yeah, it's just been amazing to see all of their dedication and growth and love for the game. It's something that I grew up a part of. So immediately from the start, I was in there in the gym whenever I wanted, pretty much the whole time. Then I just remember very much looking up to these girls that I saw playing. And any time that they'd be getting a break for water, I'd run up to my parents and I'm like, can I please pepper with you guys? Let's toss the ball around. Let's do that just so in love with the game. I wanted all the reps. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be around these girls. So that is just a big thing about who I am today. So I started off playing competitive volleyball when I was 11. So right around the time. Right around that time. Yes. But being in the gym for as long as I can remember. And I've been at Instinct ever since the training that I was getting the skills and the life lessons, the bonds that I made with these girls are forever friendships that I'm very grateful for and co Yeah,
0: and that was something where, like, I've seen your parents coaching and coached against your dad. I think <laughs> we were coaching 16s. It might have yeah. been the Sunshine <laughs> Qualifier or something. Yep. Um, and then had some of my players knew who we you were. So I pointed out, like, hey, yes. if we're not playing right now. Let's come watch this awesome. Because you were, at the time... I think it might have been a sophomore, but you were one of the top setting recruits in the country yeah. at that time. Yeah. And so what was that like going through the recruiting process? Because I, if I remember correctly, you might have been at that time where they could still kind of contact you whenever. Yes. As which very young, the rules are yeah. a little different now. Yeah. But what was that like being that top tier athlete, kind of getting red carpet options or anywhere you wanted to go? What was that like?
1: Yeah. So it was actually very gratifying feeling. I remember even from the start of 13s, it was crazy, but a few coaches that I kind of knew would come by and watch and we'd kind of joke, be like, oh, let's get you on a visit. <laughs> there, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. This is so 13. But 15s, I definitely started seeing a lot more colleges, but 16s year is the year that I was just completely locked in and sat like, I know what I have to do off the court to get to where I want to be. That means I'd go in and lift and do college fat lifting, extra reps. I was very on top of getting back to coaches in a timely manner. I'd check my emails. I got my email set up for the first time. I was like, Oh, let's check this out and get email set up so we can message coaches and say, Hey, I'm playing on this court at this time. Here's some footage, something about me. Would love to see you there. I'd try to respond to questionnaires and send them back. And the thing that helped me the most in staying organized especially was I would have a binder of the schools that contacted me. So I would print out the emails that they sent me, the conversations that we would have so I could kind of keep track of these things. Um, and make sure that, okay, I'm going to set up a phone call with this person at this time. Did I follow up with them? A little checklist alongside all of that.
0: What were some things that kind of went into your decision of ultimately, and I know back then you had five official visits that was limited. So we have some girls going through similar ideas, but now we're fortunate they're not limited by number. But really, if you're taking visit eight, nine, and 10, you're losing opportunities on one, two, three. What was kind of your thought process into what you were looking for, at least as a 16-year-old, for what you wanted for your college experience?
1: Yeah, at that time, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my career. I just knew that I wanted to stay involved in volleyball for as long as I could. So I wanted to go to a good volleyball school. Successful volleyball school with a good background in history. That took a lot of athletes into the professional world for sports. And of course, I was a very dedicated student. I still am. So the education piece to me was also something that I wanted. A school with good resources. And it came to a point where I had to narrow down my decisions. I had a top three. But after taking my visit to Nebraska when I was 16, yeah, this is the place that is checking off everything that I have wanted and looked for in a school. Why would I not say yes? I went there. I loved it and committed at 16 because I felt like it aligned with all those things I had discussed.
0: And your first year of college, most people will call it their freshman year. If I remember you were the class of 2020 yes. and then you enrolled early. Is that yes. what, what kind of went into the decision to reclassify and basically go to college a year early?
1: Both of my parents being Brazilian, I have dual citizenship. I was blessed with the opportunity in July 2018, which was my junior year, went overseas and got to play with the Brazilian U20 national team. However, I was there from July till November. So I was in online school. When I got back, my high school was like, no, you can't just enroll for a spring semester. It has to be full time. So I was already in online school and my coach at Nebraska ended up calling me and he told me about the awesome opportunity that there was going to be no seniors this coming year. And there was a foreign trip to Japan and China this summer. Was there a chance for me to get up there early and start connecting with the girls and Mm -hmm. go on a foreign trip? And he kind of asked if there was a way for me to combine my junior year and my senior year into those next four months. I was like, you know what? Let's do it again. Why wouldn't I say yes to this? Right. And I'm very glad that I did reclassify. It was an awesome experience being able to go on those foreign trips and start off those connections sooner rather than later. But yeah, it was months of me locked in my room, just studying nonstop. So I didn't get much of a senior year, but a lot of the people of the 2020 class didn't get a senior year as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. I was just grateful that I got to experience a full freshman year and going
0: a year early. So you go in as a high school senior slash Here. college freshman. And what was your role like when you got there? What was your opportunities Because as a freshman? Because we typically say it takes something special to be able to play as a freshman. Yes, so most sure. people have a different role than they've used to. Like you've probably never not played for everything in club in high school so that's a different role come college what was your role like your freshman year and kind of how did you prepare for it
1: yeah it was different for sure i kind of knew that there would be a lot of hard work going into it because of nebraska's success in the past they were runner-ups in the national championship the year before i got there they had a starting setter, Nicklin, who I adore. She is an amazing leader and role model person. She was a starting setter one year above me. So yeah, just things about the recruiting process that you also need to think about are who are the starters? How different in year or age are they from you? But yeah, it was a bit of a different role. I think going in from being someone who's playing on the court nonstop who's known and acknowledged by all these other schools and these people. It's different when you're the best and you're surrounded by the best. That's an adjustment. And I took what they gave me, which was I got the opportunity to go in every game. I'd go in there and serve and maybe set a few balls. And there's something inside of you that's like, I want more, like I'm used to having this bigger role on the team. But I feel like with the opportunities that I was given, it taught me a lot about myself and the things that I can handle and manage. And any opportunity that they gave me, I was like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do my job. and I'm going to support my teammates, whether I'm on the court or off the court doing my part. So definitely just adapting to the roles that were given and being grateful for each opportunity.
0: Yeah, because it's not easy to play at the college level, especially the higher level you go. There's Mm -hmm. fewer and fewer players that can contribute at that level. And yet they're still on a roster, 16, 18 kids playing Mm -hmm. in a game, maybe nine or 10. So like a third of the team on the bench all the time. So that that, that can be completely difficult. And especially at good programs, you're playing with and against people who are the best of the best. And that's why they're there. So that can be a grind. But having that opportunity to, like you said, learn from people who are older. So they've done mm -hmm. it a little bit longer than you. So you learn from them. What's something you kind of really take away and really value about your time there at Nebraska?
1: Yeah, I think adding on that in college sports, starters are very much glorified and you only hear stories of starters and those who are out on the court. And I think it's really important to understand that everybody has a role on the team. You always want to be a person that's giving your best energy. You never want to be a vampire that's draining kind of the life and the energy out of the team. So just sticking to it and knowing your opportunity is going to come. But yeah, answering your question, they say there is no place like Nebraska. And that is very much true. Always a successful program. The world record breaking attendance Mm -hmm. thing this a few months ago, that's just so amazing. And to see that makes me very happy. The resources that I got at the University of Nebraska, I'm forever grateful for that. It taught me a lot about culture and tradition. I think that was also very important. And yeah, just the opportunities that I had, some of them were big time pressure moments like going in there, having to serve 24-23 against a big team and a big crowd. It showed me that I was very much capable to do the things that I had trained for in my career. So I'm very grateful. For that.
0: Yeah. When the, the lights shine bright, people either they rise and love that opportunity, mm-hmm. or sometimes it comes too big of a moment. Yeah. And that's something that not everybody can be successful with.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: So then the next step of your career, you left Nebraska, I think it was after the COVID year, right? Yes. And then so then you transferred to Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. How did you go back in through the recruiting process again differently? But how did you end up picking Georgia Tech?
1: Yes. So this process, I was like, I had been through this once. I was 16. I'm now 19, 20. What do I want to think of this differently so I can get a different experience or more of what I'm looking for, more of what aligns with what I want to do? So I took some time, some searching. I was in the portal for three months talking to a bunch of different schools, and I just really wanted to make sure that this was the right fit for me. I went on a visit and I saw Atlanta. I walked through campus. I realized the amazing education opportunities that I was going to get and the connections into professional volleyball. And I was like, even if the worst happens and I end up not being able to do the sport that I love, I still get so many great things from going to Georgia Tech. It was a decision that I was like, this is the place I want to go to. Just a di- different perspective and realizing that there's more to the recruiting process than just volleyball. That should be considered.
0: Yeah, I love having these conversations because just like you said, I talked with Paula Sarami. She transferred from yes. Florida, to Indiana. and yep. It's the same thing of you go through as a 15, 16 year old and what you want and what you're looking for. Now yeah. you've been through it for a year or a couple of years and now yeah. your kind of perspective changes a little bit. About things become more important that maybe weren't you know weren't on your radar when you were a young one. Sure. Now there's some things that were on there that you put in high priority. You're like that's not really a big deal to me. Oh, no.
1: no, for sure.
0: So then your first year at Georgia Tech. Yes. You're in there. You go through preseason, and you're starting off the year. Mm-hmm. Kind of what happened that first year at Georgia Tech? Because that'd be your what would we consider yes. your junior year.
1: Yes, junior year. I was just very excited for the awesome opportunity to be at Georgia Tech. Was there all summer working really hard with our awesome strength coach and the girls building good relationships. After our first tournament practice right before we left to travel for the week, I ended up with a concussion. And beforehand, I had been very much, oh, concussions, like you're fine. Three days and you'll be good. This was like no other thing I had previously experienced. I actually had to go to a concussion center because it wasn't just dizziness. It wasn't just headache or sensitivity to light. I was having kind of issues with, I think they said vestibular. I'm not sure the word for it, but it's just your motion with your eyes and making sure your reaction time, all this wasn't fully aligning. So it took a lot more time than I was expecting to recover from that. And I think it taught me a lot and it shed a light on athletes who end up with injuries and are out for a while. It was tough not being able to travel with the team. I felt very by myself. A lot of the time I was upset. Because you were
0: were away from home and your family, your new family, they were traveling, they were training, they were going. And if you can't see, you can't walk, you can't read. Probably not, probably not much you can do on the road. So you definitely, that's a very alone opportunity.
1: Just a lot of times myself away from the sport that I loved, the amazing group of girls. And I'm like, man, I can't afford another year of not being on the court. That's what was going through my mind. And it took me talking to a really good friend back at Nebraska to realize that you are more than a volleyball player. I can find my identity in other things outside of volleyball, and a lot of that has to do with my faith in God, and I think I just had a good opportunity to reflect on some things in my life. I was like, we're going to trust in the process. I'm out. That is out of my control. It is out of my hands. So instead of focusing on what are other people thinking about me, like I haven't been on the court in so long, what are people thinking about this injury, how is my team going to perceive me, the people on the outside? What is it going to mean when I'm back on the volleyball court? All these questions. Let's focus on the things that I can do to get me back out there sooner and less focus on what others are thinking about me and more focus on myself. Like it's very much okay to focus on yourself. It's not a selfish thing. And a lot of people think that it is, but in focusing on yourself in these moments where you're removed from family, from the sport that you love, from people, take that time and truly figure out the things that you want for yourself in your life. And that completely transformed me and my career in volleyball. So there was some golden moments through all of that tough that's, transition for sure.
0: That's amazing <clears throat> advice. So grateful that you had that from a friend because there's yeah. people that have to go mm-hmm. and seek that out from professional help to understand that your value isn't tied to your performance. Is not tied to your role Mm -hmm. to your sport you are like you said you're so much more than just a volleyball player Mm -hmm. and finding happiness and joy in that and allowing that to kind of motivate you through and then build what you want once you're able to get back in it again kind of places priorities in the right place or maybe changes where your priorities are a little bit
1: for sure yeah it was just a big step in trusting the process and realizing that That spring, I was finally able to get on the court again, continue to build those relationships. I felt very close to the girls, was working hard in the weight room on the court. And that summer, before we left for Brazil, I actually lost my childhood best friend Mm. in a car accident. It was just very devastating because we're very close to his family. They actually started a foundation to. Continue with his legacy. It's called the Nicholas Nair Foundation. Beautiful family, beautiful life. And you realize that life is so much more than a sport or a situation. And that was absolutely major into my senior year, my fall, and my last semester at Georgia Tech, because I was fully able to just be like, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give it my all. Because at the end of the day, Life is so much more than one thing that you're doing. So yeah, I think that there was a lot of tough times, but there was a lot of growth and self-evaluation through it all that only allowed me to be where I am today.
0: So you had to overcome a lot to get to that point from your freshman year, enrolling early, different role, COVID shutdown season, weird injury as soon as you get to a new school, and then not just an injury, but something that took you out. Six, seven months, you said, yeah, by the time you're able to get back in, losing that childhood best friend
1: to mm-hmm. finally
0: realize just simply what it is you're doing and the joy you should have, because ultimately you are playing a game, you're doing what you love, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, quite the journey to get to that point.
1: Exactly, for sure.
0: So what's something you take away from your time at Georgia Tech?
1: It taught me a lot about expectations. When you're being recruited, you have a lot of these expectations, and I think it's okay to want certain things. It taught me the importance of, again, reiterating the fact that you need to focus on yourself. And sometimes, a lot of the time, it's okay to put yourself first, because in putting yourself first, you're able to give the best version of yourself to those around you. So finding your priorities, making sure that you understand that there are bigger things than volleyball but also being very grateful for the things that you get to do because a lot of people don't have the opportunities to do them and I think it showed a lot of resilience and I hope that other players know that yeah tough times in volleyball and in college sports are a real thing like it's not said enough and thankfully there is a trend and thankfully you with your podcast are able to bring awareness to this that. It isn't something that's very glorified. It's not always perfect. But through the tough times, you are really able to excel and find good and resiliency
0: through it all. Very well said. And one of the things I wrote down when you were talking was just, I underlined a couple times with expectations because you talked about expectations through the recruiting process. And then when you're on campus, because once you get to college, it's not just your expectations in play anymore. It's those of like you, your family, yeah. your teammates, your coaches, and then as you're in bigger conferences, it's the expectations of opponents in media and like the media day at Big Ten and the ACC and expectations of newcomers. So to younger players going through it now, because you've gone through it a couple of times, so we're not even to, to the last and best uh-huh. part yet. But how do you kind of suggest to them that they ma- help manage the expectations from going through the recruiting process and and on.
1: Yeah, expectations are a good thing because they show that you know what you're worth, you know what you're looking for in your experience. So to use those expectations and to take them and use them to align your expectations with your goals, with what you're looking for in a school, what you're looking for in a coach, what you're looking for in team and culture. And ask yourself those questions of, why do I have these expectations? What happens if this expectation isn't met? Because if it's not met, am I still happy at the school? Am I still getting something that I want for my future? Going deeper with the questions that you're asking yourself and in regards to managing others' expectations, because that is a real thing. Some of us experience it too in the first time recruiting process. I just urge people to focus on yourselves. It's not a selfish thing to do. And the people who believe in you and trust in you, you don't need to prove anything to you because they already love you and support you. And the people who think badly or poorly of you, it's not worth your time or energy because you can't change what they think. So at the end of the day, play your game, focus on that.
0: That's awesome. And kind of, I talked to Paula, she had said similar things And she gave some examples of things that she did to make sure that she was right, to make sure that she was meeting hers. What were some of the strategies that you used to kind of, like you said, taking care of yourself isn't selfish. What were some things that you did to help take care of yourself through it all?
1: Yeah. One thing that I did was to make time for myself, actually, and journal down kind of my thoughts and take a look at them and be like, hmm. Why was I feeling this way at practice? Or what did I feel in preparation for this game? Or just actually sitting down with yourself and having those conversations with yourself is important. And for some people, it's even helpful if you talk to a professional about it. It doesn't have to be anything serious and you don't have to be sad or anxious or whatever it is to actually go and talk to a professional because at the end of the day, it's only helping you understand more about yourself and better yourself. So that's something that I'm a big advocate for. And then I just also made sure to spend time with the ones that I loved, prioritize family, hang out with friends that I knew were going to be reliable, who are always going to be there for me. When I was in Atlanta, I loved exploring. There were always so many things to do. Nebraska, there wasn't that much to do compared to Atlanta, but my roommate and I would go to Target for fun to look mm-hmm. around. But little things like that go a long way in taking care of yourself and making sure that you can be 1% better, be the best version of yourself that you want to be for yourself and those around you.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's like you you sound as you're talking about some of the things you're doing. One of my recent episodes with Susan Forbes, she's a, a life coach and she worked with her clients on you call them thought downloads, where you would take the thoughts going through your head to write them down, yeah. trying to figure out, okay, which one of these are facts, which one of these are not, which one is mm-hmm. just my opinions, <laughs> and then kind of controlling how you feel about a situation
1: Exactly. And exactly. by
0: getting everything out of your head. That's really awesome. Sure. So now it's your fifth year, your graduate year. Yeah. And when I talked with you this summer at in Orlando, it was like, oh, it was kind of a surprise that you have an opportunity to now play a fifth year at Notre Dame. Can you kind of walk me through how that came to be?
1: Yeah. So after playing my last game at Georgia Tech, I was like, you know what? I gave it my all. So no matter what happens with my career with volleyball, I know that I did my best and I supported those around me. Give it my all. All throughout this past spring, I was like, what is it going to be? Do I want to take another chance at college volleyball and potentially have an experience I've never had before? Something that's going to just be amazing. Am I going to take that risk? And it's actually going to be something that isn't good for me and instead held me back from playing professionally or trying out another career. And I was talking to a few schools in the beginning, and then I kind of stopped talking to them, and I was very much focused on, okay, what is it that I want to do? What would it be like going pro and overseas already? Do I have enough film? Am I feeling, okay, I'm going to have really good opportunities and options with what I've had these past four years of college volleyball? And Talima ended up giving me a call and said that they'd love to have me at Notre Dame. And it took me having a very transparent and real conversation with her and the staff about what I had been through, my experiences throughout college volleyball. And it was uncomfortable for me to ask some of these questions because I'm a very nice person. I feel like I can be somewhat of a people pleaser. I was in the past, not anymore. It's something that I've had to work on these past four years, and I'm really proud of how it's gone. But Yeah, asking tough questions and being transparent and open about the things that I've been feeling or gone through and the things that I'm expecting or looking for hasn't been the easiest for me. So I sat down with her and talked to her and I just got this very like good vibe. She was a setter. She has amazing experience and qualifications. I went on a visit. I met the team and I just felt like a very good vibe. And yeah, I was like, you know what? Again. What's the worst that can happen in going to a school with amazing education, connections? I'm going to be coached by the best and surrounded by a good group of girls. All these amazing things were lining up. And I was like, okay, I feel like this is going to be a, a good decision for me. It's going to give me clarity with what my next steps in my career should be. So I took it and it has been such a blessing. It's been the piece that I feel like I've been missing in my college career. And I'm just very grateful for it.
0: That's awesome. I've been kind of watching as you post like your (laughs) preseason stuff, the videos, the the different tournaments, because you guys just finished up your uh, non-conference schedule. And it was great numbers, great things. The post-game stuff that the coaches are saying. It looks like it's a fun and super competitive. So it's not just, hey, I'm having yep. fun. I'm playing well, but we're uh-huh. losing it. You're playing well in big opportunities, in big moments, proving yeah. yourself. Like I, I saw the post that I commented on. You were talking about 16-year-olds you and kind of this was what I was hoping for when I was doing all those things as a 16-year-old. And I'm just so thankful and grateful to be able to have those opportunities. Yeah. I'm really excited to see how the rest of your season kind of finishes up for you and what you're able to do and the fun you're able to have.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I think to anyone who's watching this, who is young and still try to figure out what they want in life, to know that you're not going to have it all figured out, that there are goals that you have and expectations and these things that you want to do. And that's okay that they're going to change. Growth isn't. Linear, there's ups and downs and some stable things here and there, but the beauty is that you're going to get to where you're supposed to be. So don't be discouraged to continue to keep working at the things that you're given and to know that there isn't really such thing as regrets or mistakes, but instead it's just growth.
0: That's very good advice. We talked about 16 year old you. So Mm -hmm. now having gone through the recruiting process three times as a young athlete and then transfer portal and now twice in the transfer portal really going through your grad year. What's some advice that you can give young players going through the recruiting process in being able to help make educated decision, ask uncomfortable questions, why that's important the first time through and making sure that what they're getting is what they're looking for?
1: Yeah, for sure. The first thing is don't compromise who you are as a person to fit in to some sort of culture or some sort of thing that you aren't. You should be yourself through it all. And I think that's very important, finding a school that aligns with that and supports you through that. And secondly, is the thing of expectations, looking in and seeing, okay, what am I looking for in my college volleyball experience? What am I looking for in my college academic experience? What am I looking for when I'm away from home? What is it going to be like in the city that I'm in? Do I want to be closer to parents? Am I okay being far? Even the cold. That's a very real thing if you're not used to it.
0: (laughs) Florida, Brazil, Texas. You're not getting (laughs) South Bend. You haven't even been South Bend winter yet. But it's already
1: getting chilly for Mm -hmm. me. But yeah, those are all very real questions to ask yourself. And on the visit, have real conversations with the girls. I think from being someone who went on visits and someone who's been able to witness girls on visits, we love when the girl can be themselves. We don't want to hear about all these amazing accomplishments that you've had. We already know that you're good and you're here for a reason ask us questions. We're going to get to know you, but it shouldn't be just us asking you the questions. We want you to ask us questions and show that you're actually interested and engaged in the program. And these questions can be very transparent. And a lot of the girls will give you the truth. They're not afraid or shy to tell you how it is because they've been through it and should have your best interests in mind. And another thing is to have those open and real conversations with the coaches. Be transparent with them because if you're, what is it, 17 now? You have to be 17 your junior year, something like that.
0: Yeah, the visits start in August of your junior year. So that's the first visits, yeah.
1: Yes, if they see this junior Senior from the start, being assertive and asking these questions and not in a, I want to have this. And it should never be about playing time. It should never be about that. Instead, it should be the opportunities that you have to grow as a person and as a volleyball player. So having those conversations of, okay, what do you expect from me? What does it look like now? What are my chances of making an impact on this team? How long would that take? But yeah, just being open and forcing yourself to have these uncomfortable conversations sooner rather than later so you know the the reality from the recruiting process to when you're actually there
0: those are great questions that you said now what do those tough conversations what can they sound like in terms of what you're asking or the feedback giving to really find what it is they want to know because there's a lot of times there's a bunch of questions they ask coaches that have pre-written answers for our culture is like family we're going to support you it's and that might not be exactly what it's like in in between the lines. What are those tough conversations? What can they sound like or what can they be started by to really find the answers you're looking for?
1: Yeah, I think what I said, especially this third time around, was the fact that it's a two-way street, that there are certain things that you expect of me, but also things that I'm looking for in a coaching staff. So Maybe laying out and it's a two-way conversation as well. So you want to get to know more about them, but also share with them a little bit about your personal story. Tell them your why. Knowing your why is so important and it's going to be something that you resort to. The sooner you get to it, the better. You don't want to wait till your freshman year of college and you don't have volleyball in your life and you're so busy with school and all these other things, being away from home. For you to be like, why am I doing this? Your why is so important. So the sooner you figure out your why, the better. So talk to your coaches about your why, what you're looking for in your experience. And yeah, ask them, what are ways that I can get that with you guys? What are some things that you think your program can improve upon staff wise, culture wise, person development wise? Because it's so important to go to a school that's not only going to develop your volleyball skills but build you up as a person you want a coach that creates space for you who creates that space where you can feel like wow she or he appreciates me for so much more than who I am as a volleyball player and you can kind of see that in these conversations of course the reality of it may be different when you get there And you can have those facts. The minute you feel like something's off, you can go in and be like, hey, remember earlier we were having that conversation? I told you what I was looking for. We talked about this. I asked you these questions. You asked me these things. I'm not sure if I'm seeing a correlation between what we talked about. Is there something that I can do or is there something I should be aware of? And that's also another thing that I've learned is to not wait. The minute you feel something's off or you feel like something isn't going the way you thought they were based off of a prior conversation or the vibes that you were getting, you don't need to be worried about, oh, but if I say this or if I bring this up, what's that going to mean? You should have every right of being comfortable with a staff that creates that culture and allows you to have these deep, difficult conversations with them. So I think that's important.
0: Yeah, because advocating for yourself and figuring things out because you're the one going through it, and sometimes having been on the college coaching side of it, is sometimes situations change, and yeah. it's not necessarily tied to your performance or something yeah. that you're doing. It's just sometimes exactly. there's like you said, like, yeah, you might have been a freshman, and then there was an opportunity to bring in like someone like yourself coming in. There's yeah. people on your team right now who are probably. Hoping for opportunity, but now there's Nicole doing awesome things. So it's like sometimes things and opportunities change. Yeah. And so it's good to be able to have open lines of communication with the coaching staff to kind yes. of even if it's transparent, you might not like it, but at least you'll know what's going on. And that allows you to work through it better. Cause then you're dealing with facts and not with building a problem bigger than what it actually is.
1: Yes, for sure. And I think a question that I have for you is. Okay. I have been in the process, like we discussed earlier, where some girls were committing in eighth grade to these schools, just more of an open line of communication. My parents are, of course, club volleyball coaches. I want to get involved in helping these athletes in the future. I have my thought on this, but I want to hear your thoughts on what do you think that creating this thing for only juniors and seniors to be able to talk to coaches has done to the volleyball community, to the girls, parents, coaches? What do you think that has created?
0: I think at its core, it was a move that was good in intent because the whole problem I think they were trying to solve was, like you said, players committing in eighth grade, ninth grade. And again, not everybody was. It's the ones that were extremely gifted very early and very talented very early that were making decisions that were for not just in two years, they're for a long time away. And if you don't know what you want as a 16 and 17 year old, you don't know that when you're in middle school or when you're a freshman, you haven't even played a freshman game yet. Because I've coached some girls that committed in eighth grade before they got to ninth grade. And so that's when the rules kicked in. So it was like they didn't know what they wanted then other mm-hmm. than I wanted to go someplace where it's warm. <laughs> All right, sweet. But is that good for you? So I feel like at its core, it was a good intent. However, mm-hmm. by not allowing players to talk to coaches until June 15th or sophomore year, and then they have two months until they can go on official visits. And then a lot of them that are going on official visits at the beginning of August, they're making their decision. Now, basically, instead of it being, a more well thought out delayed mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. it's a shrunk process. So yeah. it's putting more pressure on the college coaches because they're sending out interest, not knowing, Okay, hey, I have these 10 setters. Not all 10 are going to want to come to me. Yeah. Not all 10 are number one on my list or mm-hmm. not all 10 are my number one on their list. So it's harder on them. And then in having conversation with the college coaches, it's, it feels very transactional at first with the conversations. Where sometimes you might have a 45 to an hour phone call with a 16 and a half year old and that one conversation removes you from consideration. Yep. I don't think that it's a good thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I think it was, again, a good idea. So if you're going to give me the legislative power to fix it, I would say that the rules need to be tied to the official offers. Mm -hmm. say so you can now as a freshman you as a sophomore you can come on unofficial visits you can communicate with me so you can get to know me you Mm -hmm. can we can have these conversations we can build relationships you can see campuses not just mine one of our girls this year literally went through and on june 15th the college coach said you are our top setter we are also offering our other top setter the first one of you to commit gets the spot Mm -mm. and so there's a lot of times that they're now taking the process and making decisions based out of fear of missing out Mm -hmm. of if I don't choose this, it might not be me. But Mm -hmm. so that's where we kind of come in and said, ask three questions. If somebody else accepts, are you going to be heartbroken? No. Is that your dream school? No. Okay. Is there other places you want to consider? Yeah. Okay. Then just simply relax. And like you said, trust the process. So my fix would be open up communication earlier but tie that official offer, verbal, phone, written, whatever it is, they cannot offer you a spot until some arbitrary date, like August 1st of your junior year or something like that.
1: That's amazing. I love that. And I have definitely seen, when is it? July 15th, whatever the day is, June comes around. Two days later, I'm seeing one girl commit another post and I feel like I very much agree with what you say. Everyone's feeling pressured to commit to these schools based on, oh, if I don't, then this girl's going to get it or I'm not going to have an opportunity and my teammates committing. So I should like, it's a process that you need to sit down with and consider. Think about the questions that you have and yeah, it is what it is right now. So taking those steps beforehand, like your sophomore year, freshman year already thinking about what is my dream school? What are these Mm -hmm. expectations and things that I'm looking for in these schools? So that when the time comes, hopefully we can get that changed to what you said. I really love your idea. But until then, having those questions ready to go so they can make a better decision with the timeline that they have.
0: And that's some of the feedback that we give continuously is to not compare your recruiting journey with somebody else's. For example, you went to two pretty strong academic schools that also had really good volleyball. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people and probably a lot of people you played with that wouldn't do well at a strong academic school. Yeah. So that alone gives you a different set of schools. Mm-hmm. And then different things. Like you might love Atlanta and never consider anything else. And then maybe that first school or a smaller school or a smaller city wouldn't yeah. have been what you wanted. So it's exactly. the, some of the best advice we give is congratulate them. But okay. your journey is your journey. You're looking for different things. Relax and do you control your things and don't be in a rush because that's the best. And this year, i felt very blessed because we had some of the top recruits, a lot of them on the same team. Yes, And so it was kind of cool learning experience to see how a lot of different people handle the same situation. It was very enlightening and it really gave me opportunity to kind of shape how and what feedback I give to them in, in like in future years and even later in the process.
1: That's amazing. I love it. And I think one thing to add to that too is I've come across multiple girls that I grew up playing club volleyball with who two years or a year into it just decided it's no longer for them. And I think it's because they are comparing their careers to the mainstream public. Oh, all these girls are playing or they seem to be having so much fun in their college experience. Why? Do I feel alone? I was the best. What's going on? Why am I not getting the things or the opportunities that I thought I was going to have? So it just makes me really happy to see that this is becoming something that people are talking about more often. And yeah, again, I love what you're doing personally with the recruiting process and using your experience and helping those younger athletes. It's something that I'm in the works and definitely want to incorporate with my parents club volleyball, I know so many amazing girls who are going into their senior year, junior year, whatever it is, even middle schoolers looking to go to mm-hmm. high school. That's a big transition to being a freshman on varsity. How do you deal with these older girls? Maybe you're playing over one of them as a freshman. So all these things are very real. And I'd love to use the experience just as you're doing to help mm-hmm. kind of just guide, mentor, allow people to have these questions and these conversations so that they can get what they want aligned with their future
0: and that was one of my biggest goals and like you said kind of my why when i started mm-hmm. the podcast was i'm in a position where i get to have lots of candid conversations with recruits going through the process mm-hmm. with college players who are now they've gone there and they're going through it alumni as they're reflecting on it yep. and from college coaches too so i'm in yeah. i feel like i'm in kind of the perfect place where i'm getting it from all sides it's and i feel very selfish keeping it to me So it's something of create this perfect storm to then not recreate the wagon wheel every year, but share your experiences with the younger girls going through it to allow them to make more, more well-informed decisions and understand that they're not alone. And there are certain things that it is hard and it is normal to feel uncomfortable and it is normal to struggle and feel alone. Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. And so kind of, like you said, normalizing the conversations and Mm -hmm. the fact that there are challenges and the biggest thing is it's hard.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And with that comes a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. So it's been like a beautiful process to see where I was, even my freshman year of high school and then 16 year old Nicole, me, my freshman year of college to where I am today. I just feel very grateful. And I want to say I don't, ever regret going to any of the schools that I did. I absolutely loved every single experience. I loved the tradition and the culture that came with Nebraska. I loved the education, the connections, the lifelong friendships from the teammates that I had at Georgia Tech. And all of that led me to this awesome experience that I'm having now with such a supportive, amazing staff that allows these conversations to flow. Like Even to the girls that aren't playing, like there's still so much care for them and everyone understands that their role on the team is important. I guess another question I have for you Mm -hmm. is as a coach, how do you foster these things so that you can also get girls feeling comfortable to coming up to you and having these conversations and having them understand. First off, it should never be about playing time. There can be discussions about opportunity, but yeah, how do you get these girls coming up to you and expressing kind of these transparent, open conversations where there's that care?
0: It's one, it's not easy to do. And it's Mm -hmm. something where it changes year to year and kind of based on the team and the players that you have. But you said something earlier about how there's a lot of accolades given to starters. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of conversation about starters. And so as a coach, things you have to do in practice is tie rewards and tie celebrations, tie feedback, tie value to things that can be done in practice that isn't simply tied to a starting position, like effort, Mm -hmm. execution on drills, like winning competitions, like being kind to others, like service Mm -hmm. of others that can be done and appreciated and valued by anybody, any role, not just your leading person in kills, like your leading Mm -hmm. digs, like that is very arbitrary in terms of you have to have this position to do that Mm -hmm. so rewarding them because of that is like a unfair circle that you can never get into yeah so to have those conversations it's trying really hard to give people opportunities to value their role Mm -hmm. while they may not like what their role is they're willing to accept it while trying to better it right so they're celebrating their team while coming in early to try to get more reps at the thing they need to do, but they're celebrating the person who is getting it done because we do things that celebrates their celebration, their appreciation, their value Mm -hmm. as a player, as a teammate, and not just those on the court physically executing at a given time.
1: I love that. Wow. That's amazing.
0: It's not easy.
1: (laughs) Imagine the coach I can't even imagine (laughs) all the things you need to be thinking about as coaches. Like Besides just starting lineup, there are so many Mm -hmm. little factors that go into it. So kudos, you guys do it so well. But
0: (laughs) but it's fun, right? Because you you get that, like you said, when the environment is, the players on the bench are Mm -hmm. celebrating and they're exhausted at the end of a game because Mm -hmm. my role today is to give energy from the bench. So I'm going to be the best that I can do. And the louder I am, the more energy I give, the better they play. So that's how I help the team. Mm And. I learned this pretty early when I became a head coach in high school. I was at a very good school down in Boca and we had some girls that were even seniors on the team. And one of them was playing behind a girl who's now at Louisville. She was a younger player that's taller and a little bit more skilled. But she said, okay, this is my senior year. I'm going to have fun. So like mm-hmm. she would bring pom-poms on the bench. And so she's playing in college. I think she's a senior now at a division three because she was super high academic. But it was her role of I'm going to have fun my senior year. So rather than pouting because I'm not playing as much as I want to, I am going to give everything I have and make it a fun, fun time.
1: That's so important. I think, yeah, again, just being a giver for the team. Mm -hmm. Of course, you don't have to compromise and give so much that you're not able to fully be yourself. But I think just being that person that's reliable on the team, even if you're not that person that's on the court, your teammates can come to you. They can feel safe with you and having these conversations and feeling your support and your energy when you're out there. Okay, I'm not playing, but I'm going to be looking at this so that when they come over here, I can tell them what shots are open, what we can do here. Your voices matter. Your role matters. So whatever you're given, whatever that role is, make the most of it. And the opportunity for what you want
0: is going to arrive. Yeah. If I were to write it on the wall, that would be the quote is just basically... (laughs) work for what you get enjoy what you have and at some point hopefully they they align
1: yeah be where your feet are invest fully with where you're at and what you're given i think that's so important
0: yes so
1: now i have a couple
0: quick questions i like to ask what is some of the best advice you've ever heard during your time either as a player in club international because that's a different experience or at any of your three college stops so what's the best advice you've ever received
1: There's so many like amazing people and speakers that have come in and given us so many good talks. But the best advice and one that I'm forever going to use is. Never stop chasing. Again, this ties into the story of my childhood best friend. He was a meteorologist. He was going out chasing storms, doing what he loved, and he never stopped. He never compromised for anyone. Like He was always a big-time giver. And yeah, I think never stop chasing means that you're going to go after your goals. You're going to go after the dreams that you have. You're going to be a good person. Support those around you. Be someone that people can come to you and just finding resiliency, even in the tough moments. So never stop chasing because your opportunity is going to come.
0: That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that and how you tie it back in, back into that childhood friend and never stop chasing a meteorologist. That's Mm -hmm. the storms, like literally you're chasing your goals and not giving up on them just Mm -hmm. because something doesn't work your way. Exactly. So now flip side of that, what's some of the worst advice you've ever heard
1: yeah the worst advice is I really just I'm like a smiley person I on the court I'm smiley but I have teammates who that's not their style of play I don't really like when people are telling other people like just smile just go out there and do this or have fun yes but in some sense I think that everyone has their own style of play So, I don't really like when people try to give advice on styles of play because everyone has their own style that's gotten them to where they are today, to the successes that they have. So, sticking true to whatever that is, but also you got to give your team something. So, finding that happy balance of what's your team's identity? What does that look like? How does your style play into the team's style? So, yeah, I think. It's not really advice, but it's just telling. I, that's my least favorite.
0: And that, like asking someone to not be authentic, asking someone to don't be what feels comfortable for you, because <laughs> this is my happy face.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever it yeah, may be. Exactly. Or there's better ways of getting it across.
0: Yeah. Different, different message to achieve the same thing. Yeah. And one, one last question. Yes. If you're looking back at 16 year old you, what would be the best advice you would give her about her future volleyball career?
1: Yeah, this is a good one. There's so many things, but I think it would be to control your controllables. There's so many pieces of advice. (laughs) Control your controllables. Focusing on yourself is not selfish. Trust the process. Never stop chasing and to be assertive with what you want. And that's definitely still something that I'm working on. I've seen so much growth in it, but Yeah, there are some things that aren't okay or you don't quite agree on or you want clarification on and you should never feel bad for addressing just how you're feeling or a basic thing that you think should be met. Just being comfortable and having uncomfortable conversations or being comfortable through the uncomfortable situations.
0: And that's not easy to do. That's Mm -hmm. something where it's like you say these, but now you have lived through those examples and yeah, giving those opportunities to have those uncomfortable, yeah. thoughts, the questions that lead to answers that you really need to know. For sure. Are there any questions you would have asked differently going through the recruiting process the first time, having gone through it now three, um, or that you didn't ask that you wish you would have?
1: Yeah. Well, I thought of another two pieces of advice that <laughs> okay. I give myself. Actually, is know your why again. That's so mm-hmm. important know it before you get to college, I had an idea of it, but it was very much volleyball-based. So again, that ties into priorities. Where do you place your priorities? The importance of branching out and finding your identity outside of volleyball and just making time for your priorities because that's all you're going to get in college pretty much (laughs) with the occasional time for fun or downtime. Right. But the questions that I would ask differently is just those tougher questions of genuinely I was always very much asking about the impact that I would have and that was good but I think I could have dove deeper into what that truly meant with what was already established on the team and to have those conversations and questions of expectations is the number one thing that you need to ask yourself that you can ask the coaches and the players that are at that team of What do you expect of me? Give them a little bit of things that you're expecting. And when you're talking about these expectations, dive a little bit deeper. Everybody wants to play. But again, one thing I'm big on is it shouldn't be about playing time. At the end of the day, it comes down to opportunities to grow as a player, as a student, and as a person. So having those conversations about expectations. There are probably some other questions that I could think of, but I think it's just a process that you need to go through, and once you're there, you fully understand more of what you want. Of what are you doing for me, besides giving me volleyball? Like, what are ways that I can grow through your program besides being a volleyball player?
0: Awesome, and I, I know you're probably getting sore sitting here for this no, month. No, long. Long, long as you sit, it's long great. as you sit in <laughs> one spot for <laughs> in your very busy day. Do you have any other questions that you came up with that you might want to ask me or anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to share?
1: Yeah, I think a question that I have is when it comes to helping younger athletes with recruiting and kind of guiding them through that, is there a specific set out like theme that you follow or does it vary from person to person and their timeline?
0: There are things that, like some truths that hold true based on when they can happen. And for example, the education piece, because it's my belief that the more educated you are about, like you talk about opportunities, all right, you need scholarship money. That's different than some people that we work with. They don't need scholarship money. So that kind of opens different doors or changes like, Hey, now we can go IV and D3 because I don't need, I don't need <laughs> those but basically some of the education is the same but then recruiting timelines are going to be different based on are you chasing the high academic iv d3 or are you going after some of the scholarship even the power 5 mid level d1 d2 that's a different timeline like the D, the top level d2 schools like being in texas like in When you were in Nebraska, there's a conference up there that's one of the best in Division Two, and now in Florida, one of the best Division Two conferences. Those Division Two schools aren't waiting until everybody in D1 picks their kids; they're going after them. So it's you have to be pretty, you've got to be working on Plan A and Plan B at the same time to kind of try to find the best fit. Some of the advice we give is the college name doesn't do anything for the level of, of experience you'll have there. We know some amazing names schools that we had four kids transfer. And so it's that tells me, but the experience isn't tied to the name on the sweatshirt. It's mm-hmm. about what you're looking for, fit with coaching staff, environment, different mm-hmm. things. And there are some things that are similar, every kid with the education, but then there mm-hmm. are some that maybe are fortunate and they have parents who are athletes or went to mm-hmm. college. So they're at least familiar, very different now, but yeah. they're familiar with what it takes. So then it's kind of, I do a lot of whole group stuff Mm -hmm. and then individual one-on-one with the players based on the level of player, like the top five kid, they're going to go first just because there's more pressure from the colleges to get them committed. And then kind of everybody else is continuing. It's the same process until you commit. And then it's how do you have a bigger impact than what you're expected to kind of of the timeline.
1: I love that. No, that makes sense because I definitely think that there's some things that are set, but the timeline is huge. And the importance of having the plan A and the plan mm-hmm. B. You can have these dreams and these goals, but you also need to think about the reality of things mm-hmm. and the time that you have for sure. So thank you. Yeah, like- of
0: course, because another thing too is like you talk about questions. I, I'm big on questions and how to ask better mm-hmm. questions because, for example, when you're hearing about it, you can be on somebody's shortlist. Like, hey, you're in our top three. You're in our top three. Well, you okay. might be two or three for a lot of your top schools. But then there's some people that, oh, I have five schools. I'm on their top three. But then Mm -hmm. one or two commit and you don't get any of them. And now you've passed on those other opportunities. Yeah. Another one is don't stop looking until you get your offers or until you get an offer to get offers that you feel comfortable with. So just because somebody's interested in you doesn't mean anything until there's an offer.
1: I love that. I love that. That's so good. Because that
0: was one of the setters I was going through the career process that 2020 year. She was originally in the 2022 class, but like people were getting those COVID mm-hmm. kids. And she's so mm-hmm. basically, and she had been one of, it was on so-and-so's, uh, she was at number two. She was at number three. She was in number mm-hmm. two. And then COVID shutdown happened. It kind of screwed it all up. So she didn't end up getting any of those offers because the top one or two kids got them.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we ended up, getting your, in, another great opportunity at Louisville, good. but kept looking until you got the offer you wanted because yeah. it was like, just interest isn't enough. You got to have something concrete to be yeah. able to act on it.
1: I love that. That's a really good point. Thank you. And yeah, I think one thing that I want to say to finalize is that I hope that in me kind of sharing a little bit of my story It's not to diminish anything or to say, I went through all these tough experiences because that's a part of life. And I'm actually really grateful for them because I just feel very good with the opportunities that I have now and who I've become throughout this process of college volleyball and the changes and all the good that it's brought about, all the hardships that have made me into who I am today just grateful for all the opportunities and the experiences that I've had that have led me here. And I hope that in kind of talking about the story and advice and tips that girls, whether they're in college right now or middle school or high school, that they can understand and kind of start thinking about these things, start asking these questions and that We can start making these conversations a real thing and putting that out there besides just the glories and the amazing things that you see from college athletics and the media. So talking about the very Very real things. And I'm very grateful for you, Brett, and this podcast and the way that you're helping all these athletes with these big goals and dreams, because that goes a long way. And I am working on creating something along those lines, a program, whether it's virtual for now until I figure out where I'm going to be. But yeah, I want to get involved. So even if anyone watching this has any questions or wants to know more advice, reach out to Brett, who's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm also a resource that I would just love to help based off of my experiences. And just I really want the best for everyone who is going through this process. So thank you so very much.
0: And thank you for sharing that. It was great catching up with you. And I'm excited to see how the rest of your season goes and and not just season, but like you talked about professional recruiting club and life beyond volleyball. So
1: thank you so much. It means a lot. And I'll be following along. I listened to the Paula episode and I really loved it. I think all of your episodes are so great. And the fact that you have it on Spotify and (laughs) all these different platforms just makes it so easy. So. I'll definitely be following along, getting people to get involved and making this something that's talked about because your efforts go a long way.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. and It was great seeing you. Great talking with you. And we'll see you again soon.